0: Hey guys, I'm Bobby Tewksbury coming to you with Pelotero Pickle episode 22. We're going to talk about spin rates. We're talking about expansion teams, where would Chris and I put our expansion team if we could choose. How do you help your team from the bench? Let's talk Francisco Lindor trade and then NFL football predictions. Join us. Let's go. Pickle, pickle, pickle. Welcome to episode 22 of Pelotero Pickle. I'm Bobby Tewksbury, joined by Chris Colabello. Chris, how are you today?
1: Better than your eyes, Bobby. Better than your eyes.
0: Let me talk. Get the camera back on me. How is that? This cedar is no joke in Texas. I've been there, man. It's no joke. Uh, Also, we have more snow than you guys do in Texas. made three snowmen yesterday. Their names were Olaf 1, Olaf 2, and Mailbox. Cohen named one of the snowmen mailbox because it was next to the mailbox.
1: I would have bet my bottom dollar that it would have stayed on the Olaf thing. That wouldn't have changed.
0: And it's like the community mailbox too. So it's like a big like multi, you know, like there's 30, 40 mailboxes within within the, it's like a big block of mailboxes. She's like, what do you want to name it? I'm like, I don't know. You pick. And she just said mailbox. So that's nice. what we're going with. We're going to go off script right now. But um, Scherzer was one of the named cheaters in the uh, the Angels fired some guy that was supposedly concocting the the sticky substance, whatever. It was Scherzer, Cole. Who was it? There was one more big name. Um, what do you got on that?
1: I'm surprised producer Patrick didn't put this in the rundown because I thought this was right up his alley, but this, and it's not his fault because I know he's paying attention, but case in point to how people pick and choose what they want to consider cheating, not cheating, whatever. It's crazy to me that it's literally crazy that in the major league rule book, it says you're not allowed to use a foreign substance on your fingers and it's reprimandable. It's something that could get you ejected, get you fined, get you suspended. And it says nothing about stealing signs and the biggest crap storm in the history of the universe happened when the Astros stole signs. But now people are finding out that there's a special substance. I told you, I heard two years ago about um, the not pine tar sticky stuff that was coming from a guy that had been with Houston and Flower said the same things. And now it's, I mean, what do I think about it? They're using chemistry to make sticky stuff. That's better than sticky stuff. And so, I mean, Bauer basically all but said, Hey, I used this last year and it made my RPMs go up by four or 500 on my heater. He
0: led, the, he led the league in spin rate. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. And I it's pretty
0: he- clear that when you do that, it's like, a, is it like the equivalent of a cork bat for a hitter where it's to performance enhancing substance? It's, it's a non-natural way of performing differently than you would naturally.
1: Like- for years, for years, pitchers made the argument, Oh, well, I need to have control of the ball and hit command. And look, I've thrown a lot of baseballs in my life and when they're slippery, it sucks, right? You, you kind of don't know where it's going. It's, it's the same thing happens to me with, with the basketball. When I walk in the gym, if my hands are cold and you need kind of some sticky powder or whatever, um, how do you monitor that stuff do you pay, like do you need to pay attention to it enough if the public makes a big enough stink major league baseball will respond and they already tried to by firing this guy that worked for the angels which what it's it's incredible to me how they scapegoat dudes that have, really have nothing to do with the be all and end all and the people that are in shock that like he was doing it for the visiting clubhouse like bro the visiting clubhouse pays his tips not the home players he don't care who wins. They don't get it. Like, it's just follow the money, guys. Just follow the money. Like yeah. The visiting clubhouse guy, I mean, he's a fan, but at the end of the day, like, if he's going to get an extra 30 grand in tips, you think he's not going to help the players in that clubhouse. That's his job.
0: And the, I mean, this form of cheating isn't going to go anywhere. I'm not sure if I told this story, but uh, Worcester Tornadoes, 2006. I think it was 2006 uh a pitcher was on the team i was getting my feet my ankle wrapped up or something and he came into the trainer's room and grabbed the uh like the pre-wrap adhesive spray and i mean he just like emptied the can on the side of his leg just i mean just and i was like this dude just came out of affiliated ball i thought he was really cool i thought like he had some pretty decent accolades and i'm like this dude just he literally emptied the can of, of adhesive spray on his leg, and he kept checking to make sure there was enough and go in the game, and he's got a two-seamer that moves more than any two-seamer I've ever seen. And I'm like, that sucks.
1: Do you know how many times I've been asked to bring a pine tar rag down in the tunnel and by a pitcher? It got to the point where I said, just do it in the dugout, nobody cares. As long as it's like not on your neck and you're not a scumbag and we're not in a war with the other team, nobody's going to care, which... I mean, now that we're talking about now that we're talking about Bowers literally proving to people that it's affecting performance in a significant way. This is this is worse than anything else. And oh, by the way, not to mention, oh, you know, like let's suspend guys because we think that they have like I, it's just so ludicrous. I went through what I went through for doing nothing, and we got people changing the course of their careers, getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars shifting the dynamic, uh, and landscape of the game of baseball and, and like, let's just turn the other way until, until, until the the public or the media makes a big enough stink of it, 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 it picking and choosing wh- which arguments. And, and honestly, if the media, if the media gets on board with this thing and decides that they're gonna, they're gonna fight it till the end. Um, then something's going to happen. If not, nothing will happen and things will carry on. It's just the yeah, way of the it, world.
0: Bauer's a very interesting case because he's been, he's, he's on like this media tour. He's got the watch momentum thing. He's giving this unprecedented look into the free agency process. And uh, I just, there's just a lot of irony that, uh, like, should his free agency be affected by the fact that, like, yeah, like he's basically, without saying it, has said that's what he did. Um, he had, didn't he have one start with the, against the Astros where he, his spin rate was like four or 500 higher for one inning just to prove a point. And then went back down to normal. So like, if you're, you're doing like, you're leading the league in spin, you're basically doing things that aren't human. They're not, they're not natural, clearly not natural. Uh, it's almost. The equivalent might be Bonds with McGuire where Bonds went on like this vendetta tour to be the best and to prove that he was the best, but they never really got him officially for anything, but it was certainly kind of understood that there was stuff going on. It's, it's weird. And it's, it's unfortunate. And
1: the problem, the problem is when you try to, when you try to do one thing, it's either everything or nothing. Right. And, it's either everything or nothing and they're just selectively picking and choosing what what they deem to be wrong even if they don't know for a fact that it's wrong they're putting that that onus on other people to to decide so that they can stay out of the middle of it, it when push comes to shove look my my perspective is always going to be anti-institution I guess right because it, it, and I get it it's hard like what how do you how do you How do you balance letting your your players play and and trying to do what's right and you know on the surface you want to say hey you know kick all the cheaters out keep all the you know the clean players in and even just defining those lines is so it's so difficult to do right like you mentioned a cork bat right like how many people got away with using a cork bat in their career or whatever I, and i don't i never even would have even known what a cork bat felt like cuz i never saw one never felt like the difference but how like there's always going to be people trying to gain a competitive advantage and unless you say specifically like these are the rules and if we catch you here's your punishment it's just not it, it, and you know they tried doing that with with the, the performance-enhancing drug stuff, right? And then all of a sudden, look what happened to me. You know, I get caught in this ring of doom that, it, like, nobody's going to go out of their way to tell the public that, hey, there may be a problem with this test, even though everybody that's going through it, and even the labs themselves and the scientists are like, yeah, well, or all the research pointing to something different now? Like, but Major League Baseball just went, oh, like, whatever. Like, do you guys handle it? And I don't blame them for that. It, it's, you know, it's not even – it's not even their fault, but when it comes to, like, stuff that's happening in-house and your players literally – like, if you're going to do what you did to players for for this stuff and you you weren't, like, you weren't 100% sure if it was right, but you you put that on somebody else to determine that, and now they're not sure if it's right, but now you know that, like, stuff's going on in your own game. But, hey, this guy's a borderline, like, he's, he's on that – you know, teetering that line, not teetering that line. He is a star. He is a somebody that people pay attention to. So, you know, let's we gotta make sure that we don't do too much. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the fallout is, if there is any, if anybody cares, if the media runs with it. Who knows? We shall see. Topic number two.
1: So last week we started talking about. If we could could have our own team, our own major league team, be an expansion team, you have to pick the following. Your city, your team name, manager, closer, player under age of 25, player over the age of 35. And so we started talking about it. We got cut. Our producer said we sucked. You're out. You're done. Show over. I want you to talk about it next week. So, Bobby, give me your city. Let's start. Let's go back and forth. City.
0: So I, I'm not sure exactly which city you might be able to answer this better because I just don't know the answer, but I would definitely go Puerto Rico.
1: Yeah, Puerto Rico is not a city. So we'll go yeah. San Juan.
0: San okay, Juan. So, so San Juan, Puerto Rico.
1: I've never been to Puerto Rico and I don't know. I'm going to I'm gonna choose either Can- either Vancouver, which is Canadian, Montreal, which is Canadian, or Nashville, which is the obvious U.S. one. But Vancouver, I, I've heard, is off the charts. And Johnny Drama had a line, he's like, you know Vancouver's got the best in the country. And he's like, they're like, Vancouver ain't the country. Turtle said it to him. They curse the whole time. I was gonna have heard Vancouver. We have the explicit really nice. thing on our podcast.
0: Vancouver's really nice, I've heard. Uh I've played in Olympic Stadium up in Canada, which was cool. Um they already had a chance and it didn't work. So maybe Maybe Vancouver deserves a shot. How's the weather up there? What's the what's the cold weather season like? Is it like rain like Seattle? Because we're way yeah, over
1: there, right? Seattleish. The other the other place you could go with is uh um, um I was just thinking uh in the in the Carolinas the Carolinas Charlotte is a big league city um and there's no there's no pro team there.
0: It's a lot of so that's like a that's like minor league alley down there. Yeah. Um, they've got a lot of minor league teams I'll college South. sports are big there like college sports aren't big in the northeast at all it's all pro sports they're not big
1: uh, college hockey is dominated by the northeast
0: college you just said college hockey which by default isn't big
1: being and also university like of I north dakota university of,
0: of colorado is it northern colorado north dakota i think northern colorado denver minnesota though that's that's hockey country
1: moving on who's your manager
0: Roberto Alomar.
1: Whoa. A that's out of left field. Any particular reasoning?
0: He's Puerto Rican. And he, oh, okay. I know he was uh, he was in – there were some discussions about him in, in Toronto at one point. Um, I've heard players talk about him in a very favorable way. I so, love his stance. Yeah, he was a really good player. <clears throat> um,
1: stance is. He hit both of them.
0: Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised – If he ever got, what is he doing now? He, I know he's like involved with Toronto in some capacity, or
1: yeah, he does like a bunch of Jays care stuff. He'll do like the Robbie Almar camps.
0: Yep, that's my manager. I'm
1: I'm first team all John Gibbons, so I'm just gonna go Gibby. He's my guy. It's because he wrote my name on the card more times than he didn't. There were times when he didn't, but that's okay.
0: I got uh, I got player under twenty five and player over thirty five. But I don't know if, about closer. I'm just going to take like Liam Hendricks, I guess. Give him a shot.
1: Yeah, we've got lime. We'll, we'll, we're both biased to Liam Hendricks. Yeah, we'll just give him
0: a shot. because my, uh, my young player is Javi Baez. I feel like the Cubs are going to get rid of everybody. So he's available.
1: <laughs> he's avail- It's based on availability. You know yep, his, his... He hit a buck 37 last year whatever it was.
0: Yeah, but he's swagged out.
1: Yeah, he's so swaggy. I gotta I'm check it out. I still Soto. think he's
0: available. I think I think anybody on the Cubs is available right now.
1: I'm taking Soto every day of the week, twice on Sunday. I'm gonna sell the farm to get Soto.
0: Yeah, but uh, you're not playing to your. I'm, I'm playing to my fan base right now. Uh, Javi Baez at two yeah, oh three.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going all cultural. those nice. are twenty eight. So, Baez. So we'll say uh, we'll make the cutoff twenty eight.
0: Well, he's almost under the age of 25.
1: I think that the two, the three obvious is Acuna's under 25. Soto's under 25. is under 25. Those are.
0: How is Bias 28? Amazing. That's crazy. Pretty much. Um, Yadi Molina is my player over 35. He might Chris be retired. Call, Chris Caldwell
1: is mine. I'm going with me every day of the week. I'm gonna be able. I'm like, I'm like touchdown, Tommy, dude. I'm gonna play till I'm fifty, bro. I don't even care, dude. I'm gonna just be so swagged out of my mind, just getting knocks, throwing for touchdown passes.
0: Are you it's officially? Crazy. Are you officially retired right now? No. Do you have to? Do you know. have to file paperwork, or is it just assumed? That I don't happened? know.
1: I talked to Kratz the other day. He was like, I was like, are you getting any job offers? He's like, Dude, I opted out, bro. And I was like, You opted out? He's like, Yeah. He's like, I'm not retiring. That's like too official. He's like, I just opted out of the season. And he's like, it's like when, when people that nobody cares about stop playing, they just stop playing. They don't retire. Like either nobody offers them a job or they don't play anymore. They opt out.
0: Effectively retired.
1: It's, is it considered retiring if, if you can't get hired, if you're not, if you can't get hired to hit baseballs, which is the thing you do probably better than 93% of the players that are in the big leagues right now. Safe to say that if you can't get hired to do that, are you retired? Or you just you're you're a free agent. You're a free agent.
0: Uh, I'll, we could say free agent. That sounds yeah, nicer. I'm a free
1: agent. I'm available.
0: That's your best ability. His if you need
1: me, call me. No matter where you are, no matter how far. Don't worry, baby. Just call my name. I'll hit a rocket. We'll win the game. Cause baby, there ain't no pitch fast enough. Keep going. Ain't no breaker tight enough. Ain't no pitcher tough enough to keep me from getting a knock, babe.
0: Nice. That brought me back to remember the Titans. It was good. Uh, next topic. How do you help your team win from the bench tips for players to be impactful from the bench tips for coaches to keep players engaged on the bench being a uh, Being a non-starter is one of the hardest things to do in baseball.
1: a nice way of staying. A nice way of staying a non-starter.
0: Well, I mean, I'm talking about, like, you show up to the field every day not knowing if your name's in the lineup. I think it's easier if you know your name's not going to be in the lineup. If you expect your name to be in the lineup and it's not, if you're, like, on the fringe, that's when it sucks.
1: The tip for the coaches definitely communication. Like, right, that's number one. Communicate, communicate, over-communicate.
0: I oh, think we need to we need to clarify level here too a little bit. If you're like a matter. known Not if matter. you're a known major league role player that's like like Matt Stairs, like Matt Stairs probably knows what his job is. He's pinch hitting in late game situations. He might give somebody time off at first base once every two weeks. But Matt Stairs knows his he knows the job. You got like Platoon is way bigger in, in baseball now. Uh, you got catchers that are doing, you know, four and one situations um if you're talking like youth league you got a kid that like is maybe just not good you have to communicate with the parents as much as anything when it's a pay-for-play situation it's super hard i think once you get to like high school varsity level for sure the the coach has to play the best players to try to win ball games
1: i would make the argument that there's a really simple way to manage all this right and it's not simple but it's inside the box, outside the box, whatever, right? So you have what? <laughs> <Those are> <laughs> well, I don't know which one it is. Inside it's the box, me.
0: outside the box, I, whatever. But I don't
1: know which one it is. That's why I don't. I, it doesn't seem outside the box to me. It seems inside the box. So by and large, on any team, you're going to have twelve to thirteen position players, right? Fair. Like doesn't matter, okay. amateur. Or, like, Like, the only teams that don't have 12 to 13, like college teams that have freshmen that come in, they'll probably have 18 hitters, which is a little bit harder to manage. But you got, like I would say, you have a 12 to 13 player rotation. Like, just in hoops, you got like eight or nine guys you go to. So, you have, let's call it, if it's 12, you have an extra catcher, an extra infielder, an extra outfielder. If it's 13, you have a jolly, it's one of those other two, or it's a third catcher. If you have the extra infielder, you give everybody – like if you play every day of the week, right? If you're talking about pro ball, you're playing every day of the week. You have that guy play three or four and give everybody a day off, right? Mm-hmm. In the infield. You have the outfielder play three, give everybody a day off during the week. So the starters play six. The infielders, same thing. They play six. And then this guy plays four or three, which – and you, you just let them know. And then obviously if there's an injury or – you get to the quarter mark or whatever, you get a feeling, you just make sure you slide up to the guy. Hey, I'm going to go with this guy tomorrow just because, you know, better matchup, whatever, so on and so forth. But making sure you're talking to people at the amateur level, like you still got to talk to people, right? Like guys got to know when they're your guys. Like there are guys that I would run out there, even if they hit zero for a whole season, because they're that type of player for their their team. They're that type of leader or whatever. You know, they're just established. They're the guy. And then you have to let other people understand that. Like, at, at a young age, a lot of guys have a tendency to, to, to rest their laurels on getting two hits to get in the lineup, right? And one of the things that I would never, ever do as a manager, I would never, ever give a guy an off day after he went off for four. Ever. Like, I would just never say, hey, like, you're coming on out of lineup tomorrow because you suck. Because that's, like, the first thing that goes to your brain. I would wait, make sure they got one and then be like, hey, I'm going to give you the day tomorrow. So you don't feel like a failure. Um, And then obviously as like things are changing and that that happens a lot when players are young, like guys establish that they belong in the lineup, you have to just communicate with players. And I think at the the amateur level, be it high school, be it college, be it travel ball, I think it's just easier to make sure you keep guys in a rotation. Like in college, you have midweek games. In high school, you have non-league games. You've got to keep players prepared in the event that you need them, because the presumption that you're gonna the presumption that you're gonna go with nine guys the whole year is irresponsible. Now, I think you should have your lineup, and that should be your lineup, and then the player who's the substitute, the jolly, the rotating player, the the non-starter should know that, right? And but still should be getting reps, because there's gonna come a point in time where somebody's gonna get hurt. Or somebody's gonna something's gonna happen. Somebody's gonna start playing poorly. They're gonna get in trouble, whatever. And you're gonna need that player, and you need him to be ready.
0: Yeah, Um, pro ball. I think, like you're saying, it's a lot easier to rotate guys when you have uh, when you have two games a week. And like, sure. I mean, youth baseball. You just gotta get everybody in. That's just it's what you have to do. But even in that situation, you communicate as best you can and tell people when they're playing, let them know what their role is. I've always found that giving, giving players uh, jobs on the bench and getting them involved, educating I them. That. Oh, What's
1: that? I would have hated, hated it. If you told me to do the book out of that.
0: No, but you do it in an educational way. You, you get them involved know. in decisions. You ask them what they would do in certain situations. Just try to teach the game. And then, when you bring out your better players, make sure that they're doing the same jobs that the, the, we'll say the players that aren't as good, just make sure they know it's a level playing field that when you're not playing, you have jobs to do no matter how good of a player you are um, and make that just kind of like you're universal. This is what happens when you don't, when you're not on the field, you still have jobs to do. There's still things that need to contribute to the team. Um, I'm not a big like rah rah guy in terms of like being loud and cheerleading, but um picking guys up and letting them know like getting off the bench after the end of an inning greeting their teammates coming off the field stuff like that needs to happen
1: well i think it becomes easier for players so tips for players on the bench it's staying just try to stay engaged stay with your teammates be supportive it's it's not your teammates fault that you're not playing it's not their fault um they're not writing a lineup card so like I can't tell you how many times I've felt myself rooting against any of my teammates. If any of my teammates listen to this, I'm sorry. I, you probably weren't one. If you're listening to this show, you're probably not one of the teammates that I rooted against. Um, and I mean that <laughs> with all due respect, because now I can say anything. Um, that you wanted to play. Like I wanted to play. I didn't know what it was like to sit on the bench. So there were times when, you know, when I felt uncomfortable or I was scuffling and there was always when I was in a dark place, like when I was in the right frame of mind, it never, I never rooted against anyone that was on my team to try to help our team win, um, but you know, as a competitor, you say to yourself, "Like, man, I really want to, I really want to be in there. I think I can contribute more than the player that's, that is there." And I'm gonna be honest with you, there was never a time in my career where I felt like I shouldn't have been on the field, where I felt like me being in the lineup wasn't gonna help our team win. That was throughout my 16-year career. So, um, you know, it's different. I, I've never, I guess. And 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 all, I I think that's a fair statement. I don't think that's overzealous, right? Like I don't think that's overshooting, uh, like uh, out kicking my coverage. But if I was a player who had you know a a a guy in front of me at a position I was blocked, like let say I was a catcher and I had Yadi in front of me, like I, I don't think I could have sat there and been like, well, wow, I should be the one in there. You know what I mean? Um,
0: well, in that situation, you just got to do it. You like just learn as much as you can. Yeah. If, you're, if you have like greatness out of you, try to ride coattails and, and stay close and build a relationship.
1: I, I think that's – I think so, like, to be able to be impactful from the bench, A, you have to be a positive person. You have to understand your role, the reason why you're there and, and what the team's ultimate goal is. You have to be the ultimate team player to play from the bench. I, I had a really hard time doing it at first. I wasn't used to it. Um, term I really like, cognitive dissociation. I learned this uh, recently about how as we become, the more we become adults, the more we have a foundation of information, the more, the harder it is to detach ourselves from what we know to be our normal. Um, I only knew how to play till I was 28. There were, I sat on the bench seven times in my, in my life and when there was a game going on when I wasn't either hurt or, you know, whatever. And that's not counting the first probably 15 games in, in Worcester. Other than that, maybe 20 games that I went to the field and my name wasn't on line of card. So now all of a sudden I get to the big leagues and they're like, you're not playing. What? What does that mean? I don't, I I thought somebody was mad at me and, um, it's difficult. So you have to learn how to prepare yourself for the moment when you do get an opportunity because a guy like me was going to get pinch hits and my first year I pinch hit and I was 0 for the pinch hits, which was probably like 10. Um, people used to tell me, well, go get ready, do this, do that. And I'd go get ready, and then I'd sit, and I'd go get ready and sit because pinch hitting, you just never know when you're going to hit. Where people are always curious to know that the next year, I would always look at DeMarlo Hale. He would look at me. I would always know when it was because it's seven, eight, or nine, right, you're pinch hitting for. I'm not pinching for Edwin or Jose. Um, So I would look down to DeMarlo, and I'd make sure I was – I would always make sure I was doing something that resembled me getting ready, i.e. putting my shin guard on my elbow guard or grabbing my bat so that he would know that we were on the same wavelength and then i would walk down in the tunnel and i would bend over and touch my toes and then i would come out and be like yeah i'm ready and he's like what well, you good i'm like, yeah i've been getting ready mentally for like three innings but I, I realized one thing i learned was if if i got loose and then shut it down and then got loose and shut it down not only did i get hot cold, but I also psyched myself out of the at-bat so many times because I tried to overly prep, where when you come off the bench, you have to just kind of understand, hey, it's going to be what it'll be. You know, I'm going to go do my best, and whatever happens, happens, and it is what it is. And then, uh, ironically enough, I started getting hits off the bench, which was cool. It's better than not getting a hit. Best thing ever at Yankee Stadium, one pitch off Andrew Miller, base hit, got pinch run four. That was the easiest day's pay I ever had, or the best day's pay, probably. You're one for one played for 11 seconds, got the lobster spread at Yankee Stadium, hit off Andrew Miller. Come, like, come on, straight chilling. Have a day. Go get. I'd him. rather go four for four and play the whole game, though.
0: Would you rather go one for one off Andrew Miller, pinch hitting and get pinch run for immediately after, or play the whole game and go over four?
1: Oh, one for one. Come on. <laughs> okay i'm trying to hit 300 bro I, there's no there's no <laughs> part of me that's not trying to hit 300 that's still i'm still trying to hit 300
0: well it's a, it's an interesting question it's like in golf would you rather uh strike the ball really well like have a good ball striking day but don't score well or have a terrible ball striking round but score pretty does,
1: well does one impact the next like so there's i need the context right like if if i going one for one or going oh for four does the oh for four imply that i'm an everyday player and the one for one implies that i'm a I'm a non-starter, as you like to call it.
0: Yeah, I guess that's fair.
1: Nah, yeah. then I want the over four then, because I'm gonna hit 300 anyway. So today's just a blip in the radar, bro. Yeah, I, I
0: you, for the for the conversation, you would have to take it in isolation, in a vacuum, if you will.
1: Yeah, if it's in a vacuum, one for one, bro. I'm hitting 300.
0: <laughs> Very good. Uh, we got some trade action finally. Major League Baseball, Francisco Lindor to the Mets.
1: I was surprised this wasn't topic one, two.
0: That new owner is a Steve Cohen. That's the name, right? The new, yeah. new Mets owner. He is splashing the pot. He's, he's going for it. They got a new catcher, McCann. They got Lindor. Is Syndergaard going to play this year? Is he, is he going to be alive?
1: June or May.
0: Cause he's coming off Tommy John. Yeah. They got a bit of a rotation on their hands. Got the
1: stroke show on a the kilo. Gun.
0: So the full trade, I got it pulled up here show's
1: Stroho? uh, getting ready to feature the uh, slow mo. Did you hear this? He's gonna do like a. He said he's gonna change tempo on every wind up. He's like and he then, doing Pilates. I,
0: he's doing boxing, weak handed.
1: I heard him doing an interview the other day, right? And get this. So I heard him doing the an one interview. with Middlebrooks. Yeah, I, like just, I, I heard parts of it And he was like, you know, I was always in the cage listening to guys like Bautista and Carnacion and Donaldson and all these guys, and I was like, Stro, you were always in the cage with me, like. We were the, I was the one that told you to mess with guys' tempo all the time. I was like, if you could just mess with people's tempo. I remember it was like me, you, Sanchi, Kalar was there. I think Gogo was probably in there. Like the five of us were hitting. It's like, yeah, but give the credit to Joey Bats. and I'm sure he said something about it, knowing Bats, but I'm gonna get credit. It's all right, Stro.
0: <laughs> so Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco to the Mets. The Mets sent Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez. Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. Uh who Wolf is the twenty-fifth ranked and Green is the twenty-eighth ranked prospects in the
1: So a has Magallan been and a Indians. couple of never will be's, as they would say in major mm-hmm. league.
0: Well, Rosario <laughs> is twenty-four.
1: Yeah, he's a has been. That's old in baseball.
0: Twenty-five. Sorry. He's I mean, twenty-five. He's um, supposed
1: to be like the next guy, but.
0: McGowan used to always talk him up.
1: I played against him in triple I thought he's it was okay. A career 268 Francisco hitter. Francisco Lindor. So, in, in
0: 2019, he went 287 with 15 homers, 30 doubles. Um, doesn't walk much.
1: He's a guy that should hit 300 with 10 every year. And he swings too much, So, And if he gets better at not swinging, he'll th- hit 300 with 10 every year.
0: That's a solid player.
1: Yeah, it's not Francisco Lindor. He sh- I said he should. Now he's got to yeah. learn how not to swing at everything.
0: <laughs> um, I didn't realize Lindor in 2018 had 38 pumps.
1: He also had 690 something at bats. He's like led the major leagues and at bats the last sorry, three out of the last four years or something like that.
0: Three out of the last four years, led and put led the league and played appearances. Yeah. Uh, but 38 homers. Still I didn't lies. even look
1: that stat up and I knew it off the top of my head. Cause he that's plays it.
0: Lo- that's a lot of pumps for, and he's not like big. What's he yeah, listed nice. at?
1: Yeah. Nice. Swing nice actions. I it's told you the really time good. I saw him taking ground balls with a flat glove, like he was using one of the training gloves, like flipping backhand balls up to himself. Like, who takes backhands with a training glove? That
0: guy. I feel like he is, um, like Jose Reyes with a more level demeanor.
1: I, listen, I play with both those dudes. Jose Reyes had like he, he's a good player, like, right? Like, really good talent from like an energy
0: standpoint. From like, uh, I felt like Jose Reyes if he wasn't playing well, you knew it.
1: Yeah, Lindor's just more more solid across the board. What do they think. call him Mr. Smiles? huh? Isn't that
0: his nickname Mr. Smiles?
1: Yeah, cuz he's got a beautiful smile. Everything about Frankie's awesome.
0: Yeah, his nickname's Mr. Smile. He's a good player, man. Um, the Mets will will be very I want to talk about this
1: though. Why are teams letting guys like that go? That's like a, that's a generational talent, right? Like it's a, I mean, we live in an era where there's some pretty good shortstops, but that is the guy, right? If you're the Indians and listen, you can give me this crap about like 30 million, whatever. You can't build a team around them, but like you just got back a bag of balls and some Louisville sluggers for that guy. Like, and, and not to mention, you just sent Cookie over there too, who's like a frontline starter. He's like the number two or three starter in the big leagues. So like, literally, you just got a frontline starter and the best shortstop in baseball for another shortstop who's like, okay, and a couple buckets of balls. And for a couple guys that like, you're hoping turn to be good. So you have no idea if they're going to be good or not. Like, how's that? Like, I don't, like pay okay. the guy the money. Like, keep him. Like, he is your franchise.
0: In terms of war, he's a top five shortstop in the league. In terms of Woba, which I love, he's uh, they got Bregman listed as a shortstop on Fangraphs, but he plays third. Uh, they also have Glaber Torres. So we're going to say he's a top, definitely top 10 shortstop across the board, offense, defense.
1: Dude, he's the best shortstop. Last year was a bad, he hit like 260. I'm going or off of uh,
0: 2019 stats.
1: Whatever. He's the best shortstop.
0: I think Carlos Correa would have something to say about that. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. has got something to say That's about that. That's the only
1: argument you could make to me right now that might fit the bill. Lindor switch hits, patient, professional at bats, good Corey team. Corey Seager's got something to say about great that. Great energy. Seager's been hurt. I mean, Seager's a good Turner. player.
0: Trey Turner's.
1: Trey Turner ain't no Frankie dog. I'm telling you. In
0: terms of production, Trey Turner's pretty good.
1: Looking at all these peripherals, dude, outside metrics. That Frank Francisco I mean, Lindor is the best shortstop in the game. <laughs> Trey
0: Turner at 335 with 12 and 16. Trey Turner's
1: a good player, dude. I'm not taking anything away from him. He's not Francisco Lindor.
0: Trevor Story's pretty good.
1: Not Francisco Lindor.
0: I think Lindor brings energy in a way that other guys don't. <clears throat> Um, which makes other people better around them, which is important. That matters. doesn't show up on the Fangraphs page.
1: The Mets are going to come with it, though. They're trying. At least they're spending money. At least somebody's opening up their piggy bank.
0: The, I mean, the Indians have been saying for years they're not going to sign them. Yeah, they, but that's They had stupid. to try to get something for them.
1: That's stupid. What did they get?
0: They got four guys. As you said, a couple – what would you say? They got a couple fungos or something? Yeah, a balls?
1: dude, a couple buckets of balls, and some Louisville sluggers. A dude who's played shortstop in the big leagues, a bucket of balls, some Louisville sluggers.
0: Not even some Chandlers, some Louisvilles?
1: I don't get it, man. Like Your <laughs> multi-billion dollar franchises, like, just sign players. Just keep your players that are your players. Like, this is why the game's starting to suck. Nobody's going to play their whole career in one place ever again. <laughs> Ever.
0: Um, so Mike Trout
1: might be the only one, and he's probably going to get traded at some point during that deal, too.
0: So, at the at the facility here, Chris Paddock trains here. So, I saw him the day after they signed Yu uh, Darvish with the Padres after they traded for him. And I was like, hey, man, that's pretty – got to be looking forward to spring training. And he's upbeat about it. And I was talking to uh, Scott Lacey, the pitching coach here, and I was like, so what, that makes it like – three or four teams that are trying to win right now? What are the, How many teams are actually trying to win right the now? The
1: Dodgers, the Padres, and the Mets.
0: Dodger, Dodgers, Padres, Mets. Cubs are not. Red Sox are doing like a rebuild. They're, the they're, they're a team that's, that over the last decade has been in the conversation. The Yankees trying
1: to win. notoriously always try to win.
0: <clears throat> but if they were trying to win, my argument is LeMay, you would be Why is signed.
1: LeMay, you not signed. But they, the, <clears> the Yankees have enough pieces to try to win without him. Now, if you, if you made the argument to me that they needed a couple more pitchers, they signed a couple of bullpen guys that were not flashy signs. Um, I would they say they didn't they sign might... Tanaka.
0: You think Tanaka's a piece for them? What Tanaka?
1: I thought they were gonna go out and get Bauer, but I heard I just found this out. Bauer and Cole hate each other, apparently.
0: Oh, yeah, they're don't not know friendly.
1: They played college baseball together, they hate each other.
0: Bauer always says publicly that he's got no problem with them, but yeah, there's some uh. There's some beef
1: there. Um, Cole always struck me as an interesting. Catch. No,
0: but what, like, what are the team like? I would say if the Yankees were trying to win, Lemay would be signed. Tanaka would be would be.
1: The Astros or, are like or, de facto trying, but they're. I mean, they should win the West.
0: Um, there's like, you think like Didi Gregorius should be available right now?
1: No, I don't think they're trying to win? win. I think, and not to mention, it's not that they're not trying to win. They're, like a lot of teams are, are not trying to win. Right, number one. But this is how they soften the market. Like Kipnis had some. He shouldn't have written this because whatever. What are we gonna wait till March this year to start signing? Like teams just don't want to pay players. And they're like this is the most collusion I've ever seen over the last three years. And it's gonna be the most this year. It's dude. The average salaries in the big leagues are going down. They're going down. It's ridiculous. Revenues are going through the roof. Average salary going down. Like give me a break, man. Come on.
0: What's the? Uh, they're gonna definitely use the whole COVID situation.
1: Oh yeah. Although I did hear Collective that. bargaining's
0: bargaining that, is up too, right? After this year? Collective bargaining? And the 21? Year, yeah. yeah. Everybody needs to sign one year deal. Yeah. Let's see what happens. Uh, the Uh Pat, Patrick asked, uh, do teams punting payroll hurt fan engagement and interest? Hard to I would say, yeah. I mean, <laughs> doesn't Jared Diamond of the uh, Wall Street Journal, he, he's talked to us about this and you feel the same way. Like you should want your team to be over the luxury payroll tax. Like Every go year. out and spend money to get the best players. And try to win. They're straight up running it, things like a business. Like
1: They're trying uh, to make people believe that a 12-year-old player is more important than a 32-year-old player. Yeah. That he's going to be better. Like I get it. The 12-year-old is important. Right, because you need to develop around them and sustain. And but like, if you win, it, it doesn't matter. You're going to generate revenue. Like people don't understand. Like if you're not like if you're not making revenue for the league, then the people who are making revenue for the league will just give you money. Like you you're, like the value of your team's not going to go down. So stupid. If you're losing money, that luxury tax money comes to you.
0: It's uh, pretty crazy. The whole thing's, the whole thing's crazy. Uh, let's go. Last topic, post show. We are we are being asked of our Super Bowl predictions. Dude. Now that we're through, what do they call it? Super Wild Card Weekend.
1: Dude, triple had a Saturday and triple had a Sunday. Dude.
0: I think. Picking against the Chiefs is – I think right.
1: picking against touchdowns Tommy is the most ridiculous thing anybody could ever do in the history of doing anything of evidence. So that's what I'm going to tell you right now. Did you watch my guy, Tommy? Bro, if it weren't for Chris Godwin, this guy would have gone 46 for 40 passing with 499 yards and 17 touchdowns. Chris Godwin dropped 11 balls and hit him right in the hands. 11. I think the real number was five, but it felt like 26. So I'm going to average that out to 11. Tommy was awesome. And all this guy Tony Dungy wanted to talk about on the other side was how this guy Taylor Heineken, the beer, was friggin' nice for the Redskins. And they're not even the Redskins anymore. They're the Washington football team. Tommy Brady is going to win his 43rd Super Bowl this year.
0: That can't be your honest pick.
1: All right, now that I'm out of my Tom Brady voice. I think the Buccaneers have just as good a chance as anyone. not going to lie to you. Their Uh, offense is off the charts right now. I think it's – no matter what, it's going to be an offensive Super Bowl. I was impressed with the Saints all year. I was impressed with them when they beat the Bucs in week one. But this is the kind of week that Tommy just sneaks up on somebody. I think it's kind of open, man. Like, the Packers are nice, but – I just don't think there's any like clear-cut favorite in the NFL. I mean, I, I think the Chiefs obviously stand out, but I wouldn't put it past the Browns going there and winning after the win yesterday. Um,
0: well, I mean, they got they were gifted twenty-one points in the first. They've got their
1: whole team coming back from COVID, and they just won at Pittsburgh, who was eleven and zero to start the season. So, like, they're probably going Pitt- to be riding Pitt- in there pretty they were high. The red
0: flags with Pittsburgh the whole year.
1: I mean, you started the year 11 and 0 in the NFL, though. So, with, let, with red flags. Yeah. I mean, but you started 11 and 0. So, I, let me just tell you something, Kyle. The NFL is so fragile that anything can happen. And home field advantage is no longer a thing anymore because it's not like you're packing 80,000 in there. So, Arrowhead, where was the best home field advantage ever? Like, the Chiefs laid an egg two weeks ago and almost lost to, to lose the number one seed against the freaking. Falcons, like Matt Ryan was about to put it down their throats. So they were losing the whole game, had one big drive. I, and the Chiefs are clearly like the most talented team, but Patrick
0: Mahomes is ridiculous.
1: Don't give Brady time in that pocket, dude. Don't let him like understand coverages. Did you see the throws he was making the other day?
0: I actually didn't watch that game.
1: Oh my god. He but was I saw highlights. That, that, he was as good as I've ever seen him play. I'm that's, literally he went that's he saying went, something. He went twenty-two of forty, and he should have probably been thirty of forty because they had they they literally had eight to ten drops. He was, he was dropping dimes over people's shoulders, like just knew every every right throw to make, knew when to get rid of the ball, knew when to make. And the best parts about Tom Brady are when he makes the first and whatever throw to the, to the goal line. And it's down and away from his receiver and the guy doesn't catch it. And people are like, Oh, that was a bad throw, but he only threw in the spot where his guy could catch it. He threw a ball to Gronk. Like he doesn't, he just didn't turn the ball. over.
0: How about let's go with this. What what game are you most looking forward to next week?
1: I mean, I, I, I hate the Ravens, so I won't watch Ravens bills like watching the bills in the playoffs was like watching paint cry. I hate the Ravens. I hate the way they play. Lamar's like exciting, but I hate it.
0: That's my game. The game Still, I don't I,
1: I won't even I won't turn the TV on for that at all. That's the, that's Bill, like
0: the game Bill I want to watch Ravens. the most. I think the matchup between uh Allen and Jackson is exciting.
1: I don't I don't want to watch, I mean, Packers game. Packers rams is not exciting to me. I'm just going to get excited for that Sunday night battle, dude. Tommy and Drew Brees. Combined age of the quarterbacks is 114. It's unbelievable, dude. You got two quarterbacks that combine to be 114 years old playing that game. And they're the two best quarterbacks on the planet. Except for the ones that are better than them.
0: (laughs) Uh, Can Drew Brees throw the ball more than 30 yards?
1: Drew Brees is still nice, man. Drew Brees is still nice.
0: No, that'll be a good game. Um, I was shocked that, that Henry didn't get running at all, the Titans-Baltimore game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he only ran – he blew his, you know, in the regular season, over 2,000 yards. Over 2,000 yards in the regular season. He well, got rid just, of all his
0: yards. They you know. sold out to the run.
1: That's the first time the Ravens have come back from down 10 points, like either in the playoffs or ever in, like, the uh, this year or something.
0: Lamar's a ridiculous athlete.
1: Yeah, just keep him in the pocket. He can't beat you. If they keep him in the pocket, you can't beat him. That's what happened last year. They kept him in the pocket. Just make the guy throw the ball. Can't beat you, dude. It, it's the same it's the same defense the Patriots used in the Super Bowl against Seattle ten years ago, whatever it was. All right. Well Eight, no, six years ago. Seven years ago.
0: Anything else? You got anything else to rundown? post Pocho?
1: Yes, Tommy Brady, even though I wish I had a Dunkin' Donuts coffee for that.
0: Very good. Well, that concludes this episode of Peltero Pickle. All right, that's it. Pickle.
1: Out.